Hello, everyone. I'm Warren Smith coming to you this week from Fort Worth, Texas, the site of this year's National Religious Broadcasters Conference. And I'm Christina Darnell in for Natasha Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. We'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Each week, Ministry Watch brings you news about Christian ministries, as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, news that we examine from a Christian worldview perspective. And our goal is to help us become better stewards of the resources that God has entrusted to us. On today's program, a World Series Most Valuable Player sues his pastor, and Kanye West's Sunday service gets tax-exempt status, while a ministry that encourages people to pray was denied. We'll explain later in the program. We begin with more on the ongoing saga surrounding Gospel for Asia, which is now known as GFA World. Yeah, attorneys representing donors to Gospel for Asia uh, say that millions of dollars in gifts were misappropriated, and they made their case during a certification hearing at a Toronto Superior Court this week. Justice Peter Kavanaugh will determine if the case can go forward as a class action suit against GFA World. Uh, The suit, filed in early 2020, accuses GFA World of misusing more than $100 million in Canadian donor gifts. Uh, One of the plaintiffs in the case, Greg Zentner, a former GFA donor, said that thousands of well-intentioned Canadians were duped into collectively donating tens of millions of dollars to an international fundraising syndicate that used the funds, according to Zeltner, for their own use, including the construction of a luxurious compound and personal residence in Texas. He's asking the Canadian court to require GFA World to refund the $20 million in Canadian funds used to construct the new Texas headquarters, plus pay $150 million in damages. Among the more than a dozen claims made by attorneys representing GFA World is the claim that Zentner isn't qualified for class action status since he quit donating to the group before he filed the suit. And then while this case is going on, GFA World is still raising funds. Yeah, they are. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, International Widows Day, uh, which is a United Nations-sanctioned event that draws attention to the challenges facing the world's 258 million widows, uh, GFA sent out a press release and asking donors to support the ministry. But it doesn't really make clear what the ministry will do do with the money and whether that money is actually going to go to support the widows themselves. The ministry's practice is to pool all donations, uh, regardless of donor designations, for widows or other needy groups. And that raises ethical questions about whether the donation that is generated from this International Widows Day effort will actually be used to help widows. I should add, by the way, that the that Gospel for Asia resigned from the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability back in 2015 for misleading donors and mismanaging finances. Uh, ECFA discovered that the ministry had hoarded as much as $259 million rather than spending the donated funds in the field. Warren, let's move on to another organization that is also involved 
in a lawsuit for an alleged misappropriation of funds. Yeah, a private foundation is suing a ministry called Unlikely Heroes and its founder and CEO, a woman named Erica Grieve, on allegations that the anti-sex trafficking nonprofit organization misrepresented its rescue home operations and breached its contract involving an online education program. Those are just two of several claims uh, that the private foundation, which is called the Human Investment Foundation, is making. They're a Dallas-based private family foundation, kind of a family office. Uh, Some of our listeners might be familiar with that language, and they're focused on sexual violence, education, and prevention, and they filed uh, a petition against Unlikely Heroes and Grieve back in February, but they just recently amended it. Uh, Ministry Watch obtained that document, and it details allegations involving breach of contract, as I mentioned, fraudulent inducement of donations, breach of fiduciary duty, and neglect of and negligent management of charitable funds, among several other things. Uh, The suit seeks uh, declaratory relief and a revocation of more than $100,000 that the foundation had previously donated to Unlikely Heroes. By the way, I should say, uh, Christina, that this story is one of a series of stories that we've done on the anti-sex trafficking uh, industry. Uh, You might call it a ministry space within the past few months. Sex trafficking is terrible, of course, but we've discovered that a number of organizations that make claims about their work can't actually provide the data to support those claims. And sex trafficking has become a real popular cause, especially among young people. So we're going to be keeping an eye on ministries in the anti-sex trafficking space for the foreseeable future. Warren, our next story has a bit of a tabloid vibe to it. So I can't help but ask you why you decided to cover the story of Ben Zobrist and his divorce. Well, it's a good question, but first, let's uh, talk about the story itself. Uh, Ben Zobrist is a World Series MVP who helped the Chicago Cubs break a century-old drought. Uh, So he's a well-known guy among sports fans, and he sued his former pastor uh, for millions in damages. In a complaint filed in a Tennessee Circuit Court, Zobrist alleges that his former pastor engaged in an inappropriate sexual relationship with his wife and betrayed the confidence that Zobrist had placed in him. The complaint alleges that Byron Yawn, a Nashville businessman now, but formerly a pastor of Community Bible Church, was offering pastoral care and friendship to the former big league baseball player while at the same time having an affair with Zobrist's wife. So that's the story. Why cover it? Well, both Zobrist and his wife, Juliana, have become well-known in the Christian world in part because of a 2014 book that they wrote together. It was published by B&H, a popular uh, Christian publisher. Uh, Further, Juliana has a recording uh, contract. She has two albums out that hit the Christian music charts. I totally understand why some people are a bit um, queasy about these kinds of stories, but this is precisely the kind of story that needs exposure because all the parties involved have placed themselves sort of outside the normal church discipline process and have taken their complaints to a civil court. So we think it's pretty important to cover. Well, Warren, we need to take a break. But when we return, Christian baker Jack Phillips finds himself in court again. I'm Christina Darnell, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and we'll be back after this short break. 
everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Christina Darnell, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Let's continue with that story of Jack Phillips. Yeah, when the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in 2018 that Colorado baker Jack Phillips had a right to refuse to create a cake for a gay wedding, his freedom of belief and freedom of speech were both key to that decision. But on Wednesday, Denver District Judge A. Bruce Jones ruled that Phillips's refusal to create a transgender-themed birthday cake was about a product and not about compelled speech. Now, uh, Jones wrote that the anti-discrimination laws are intended to ensure that members of our society who have historically been treated unfairly, who have been deprived of even the everyday right to access to business to buy products are no longer treated as others. But Alliance Defending Freedom says that these are essentially the same issues that have already been litigated in the original case. Uh, ADF General Counsel Kristen Wagoner said in a statement, radical activists and government officials are targeting artists like Jack because they won't uh, promote messages about marriage and sexuality that violate their core convictions. Let's move now to the Boy Scouts. It appears that they may be close to settling a case involving thousands of sexual abuse victims. Yeah, people familiar with the case uh, told the Wall Street Journal that the Boy Scouts are in negotiations with a coalition of law firms representing the victims, uh, and they're trying to come up with some sort of a compensation framework for what now is about 84,000 victims. Uh, They've expressed their intent to sign over insurance policies to a trust fund that would be set aside to compensate for the victims. Uh, And they would also agree to pour in money from other sources as well. The Boy Scouts of America filed a bankruptcy plan back in March that would set aside about $300 million to evaluate and settle these cases. And that money would come from selling property and also selling uh, the really famous Norman Rockwell paintings that the Scouts have owned for decades. But lawyers for the victims say that that $300 million is woefully inadequate and that the true value of these cases exceed $100 billion. Warren, I know that you have been active in the Boy Scouts for decades, and then you've been reporting on the Boy Scouts for 20 years as a journalist. So what do you think is going to happen? Well, it's becoming increasingly difficult for me to see how the Boy Scouts survive this whole situation in anything resembling their current form. Uh, I'm hearing reports from local leaders that local scout councils are are selling their camps to raise funds. And in some cases, these are camps that they've owned for more than a half century. Uh, Scout councils are merging and staff positions are being eliminated in these mergers. And I should also mention that all of these uh, accusations and 
counterclaims are not without their cost in lawyer fees. Lawyer fees, uh, I have seen credible estimates that are running in the tens of millions of dollars in fees alone. It's not clear how the scouts will survive. And I've got to also say, Christina, it's not clear to me that they deserve to survive if what is being alleged in these cases is true. Uh, And while they still are a lot of good people in the rank and file of the volunteer leadership, the senior leadership uh, have squandered a century-old legacy of what was once a great organization. Membership in the BSA has declined dramatically, and membership of such groups like Trail Life USA is also on the rise. So as much as I loved the Boy Scouts of my youth, I can't say that I'd be sorry to see the current BSA go. Warren, we've talked a lot about lawsuits today, and we're not done because up next we have another one. Yeah, Kanye West Sunday Service, which began as a concert but has evolved into an organization, has been granted 501c3 tax exempt status despite the fact that Kanye West himself is currently facing two uh, class action lawsuits for allegedly mistreating performers and staff at these Sunday service uh, concerts. West launched the weekly invitation only Christian gathering known as the Sunday service in January of 2019, just a couple of months ahead of the release of his ninth studio album, which was called Jesus is King. The lawsuits total $50 million, and they were filed in the summer of 2020 on behalf of former employees of the Sunday service, as well as performers in Kanye West's opera production, Nebuchadnezzar. Um, They said that they were not being paid and that they had to experience poor working conditions that violated California employment law. He also faces a $20 million lawsuit filed by My Channel, which alleges that Kanye West stole the firm's video commerce technology to help increase sales of Sunday service clothing and merchandise. And while Kanye West's organization was granted nonprofit status, there's a Texas nonprofit that encourages Christians to pray and vote and engage in political activism uh, that has filed an appeal with the U.S. Internal Revenue Service because they were denied tax-exempt status. And the reason was it's alleged exclusive support of what the agency considers to be Republican values. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Christians Engaged is the name of the organization, and they include as part of their mission statement the desire to awaken, motivate, educate, and empower ordinary believers in Jesus Christ to engage our hearts in some form of political education or activism for the furtherance of this nation. So why were they denied? Well, the IRS said in a letter dated May 18th that um, based on the issues the organization supports, including sanctity of life, the traditional definition of marriage, biblical justice, freedom of speech, defense, and a conservative stance on borders and immigration, that it actually serves the interests of the Republican Party. And in, these are the words of uh, that letter, more than incidentally. Now, First Liberty Institute uh, has uh, come to the defense of Christians engaged, and they're appealing the ruling. And in a June 16 letter, they said that Christian organization sincerely holds the religious beliefs that were set out in its doctrinal statement. Warren, we're going to take another break. When we return, our weekly lightning round of ministry news of the week. I'm Christina Darnell with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello everyone, I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. 
Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Christina Darnell, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Warren, we like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. So what's up first? Well, the Lutheran World Federation has elected the first woman to head its global communion of churches. The Reverend Anne Burkhart, an Estonian theologian, was chosen on June 19th by the LWF, Lutheran World Federation, a council as the next general secretary of the federation, which includes about 148 denominations in the Lutheran tradition around the globe, including the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, ELCA, which is the largest but also the most most liberal and I should add rapidly shrieking uh, denomination here in Lutheran denomination here in the United States. Uh, the Lutheran World Federation represents about 77 million Lutherans in 99 countries. And around the world, as here in the United States, the group's influence has been in pretty rapid decline in recent years, in part because of the progressive drift of member denominations. You've also got a bit of fundraising news. Yeah, I do. The number of donors to charities grew by a projected 10% during the first quarter of 2021 when compared to the first quarter of 2020, uh, while the retention of new donors uh, grew 13.6% during the same period. Uh, those are two data points from a pretty elaborate fundraising effectiveness project report called 2021 First Quarter Fundraising Report uh, that shows fundraising fundraising continues to fare pretty well overall. It's not yet clear whether the growth was a result of a surging stock market, COVID-related giving, or maybe some combination of the two, but the growth was seen as a good sign for many nonprofit organizations. Well, and it's interesting because this growth has occurred while there's also been a shortage of qualified fundraising staff. That's right. A different survey found that the U.S.'s multi-billion dollar nonprofit fundraising industry is suffering a severe shortage of fundraisers. In fact, the majority of organizations represented in the survey had lost at least one fundraising professional since 2018. Research revealed that nonprofits are struggling to hire new fundraisers, that three in 10 fundraisers surveyed had current vacancies on their teams, and 85 percent reported difficulty finding qualified candidates to fill those positions. And finally, Warren, what ministries are we featuring in the Ministries Making a Difference column this week? Well, Christina, since I have uh, you on the show this week, I want to thank you for doing this column week in and week out. It's really been a great addition uh, to the Ministry Watch menu of stories. Well, you're quite welcome. You bet. Well, and in this week's column, you featured Christian women in media who will be doing a virtual event in July uh, that will include chapters from throughout the United States, but also from London, Frankfurt, and Tirana. Uh, and you also have news of an interesting event hosted 
hosted by Ron Hutchcraft Ministries. Right. It's on Eagle's Wings, which is a division of Ron Hutchcraft Ministries. And they're hosting an annual Warrior Leadership Summit for Native American youth. And it's starting on July 1st. It's a five-day leadership conference to equip Native young people. And they represent nearly 100 tribes Um, And it's equipping them to share the gospel in their own communities. Well, to read about the two stories that Christina and I just mentioned, plus more that are in the uh, Ministries Making a Difference column, uh, check it out on the front page of Ministry Watch's website right now. Before we go, any quick notes? Well, a couple of items. I mentioned at the top of the program that I was in Dallas this week for the, and in fact, I'm still here now, uh, for the annual meeting of the National Religious Broadcasters. I'm doing a lot of interviews here, so listen for them on the extra episodes of the podcast in the weeks ahead. I also want to let you know that this week's extra podcast features the first 20 minutes of the audiobook for Faith-Based Fraud. I hope you'll check that out as well. You can get the complete book by going to audible.com or of course by going to Amazon as well. And finally, I want to thank those of you who have responded to the appeal that I've made the last couple of weeks to give a fiscal year-end gift to Ministry Watch. June 30 is our year-end and your prayers and financial support make our work possible. As always, we want you to know that you should support your local church first, your favorite and carefully researched ministries second. But if you have a few extra pennies left over, uh, you can give them to Ministry Watch to help us help you become more effective and informed stewards. And we would, of course, be grateful for that. To make a gift, just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate tab at the top of the page. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Steve Gandy. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Goddard, Stephen DuBerry, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Sarah Dreer, Emily McFarlane Miller, Ann Stike, Bob Smitana, Shannon Cuthrell, and Steve Raby. And then thank you to the Nonprofit Times also for contributing material to this week's program. I'm Christina Darnell, in for Natasha Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Warren Smith coming to you this week from Fort Worth, Texas, the site of the National Religious Broadcasters Annual Conference. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.